For streaming, creating, gaming, and more, power your passions for less during Dell's exceptional cyber savings event. Enjoy up to $400 off stunning laptops like the XPS, along with high-performance desktops and next-level Alienware systems, redefining what's possible with 10th-gen Intel Core processors. Shop special prices on top-brand electronics and accessories, plus enjoy free shipping on everything. Don't forget to ask for Intel when you call 1-800-BUY-DELL. That's 1-800-BUY-DELL. What you are about to hear was recorded live in front of a studio audience in beautiful Columbus, Ohio. I think you'll find it inspiring, entertaining, hilarious, and potentially eye-opening. This man's a champion in more ways than one. You're going to learn during this conversation. All we ask is, while you're listening, please tweet us what you love, what you hate, and any other questions that we missed, because this man will be joining us very soon in our office. Let's get to it. We're going to kick off this podcast and bring out a guest I think is going to bring it all back around. Um, Ty, what's today's date? Today is Tuesday, June 25th. It is Tuesday, June 25th. And today we have an absolute heater for you. Yes, it's brought to you by SeatGeek, the greatest ticket buying platform on earth. That's right, if you're gonna buy tickets from somewhere on earth or the moon, you go right to motherfucking SeatGeek. By the way, aliens? Yep. Inside the fucking moon. I, I don't want to say, I don't want to, I don't have a long enough arm, but been calling this one for a long time. I dropped out of school very early, but I think I can figure that one out very quickly. I'm happy everybody else is joining us. If you're going to get tickets, go to SeatGeek. Uh, promo code PAT, get $10 off your first order. Promo code McAfee, get... Let's use a little self-awareness. If we're not rich yet, let's use McAfee, get $20 off. If you're already wealthy, let's use promo code PAT. Let's get to it. Today's guest is a man who is an inspiration to people all over the world. He was once the Ohio Football Player of the Year. He was Big Ten Freshman of the Year. He's a guy from Ohio who has turned his life around in incredible fashion. Ladies and gentlemen, please make some noise for Maurice Correct. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Maurice Claret, baby. When we were when we were trying to think of guests here after Anthony Gonzalez, good friend of mine, Senator. <laughs> told me to go fuck myself. <laughs> we were trying to piece together a list of humans that we would appreciate. And you had been on our show before and we loved everything that you said on the show. But we had no idea about how you would feel about coming back to Columbus. And then when I reached out to you, you said you stay here. What does Columbus mean to Maurice Claret? And, and not only just your story, but now everything, hindsight looking back on life. Oh, this is uh, basically home. I, I, I first start off by saying, oh, wait. <laughs> Thank you, Maurice. I appreciate that. 
There we go. Uh, a lot of them, by the way. You guys got a lot of them. I mean, too many. But what does Columbus mean to Maurice Claret? Oh, no, sir. It's like a redemptive side. You know, you, I came here as an 18-year-old kid. We came out. You know, we won the championship. You had, you know, every hottest you could possibly want to have as a kid. Hell yeah. Um, you know, this is, this is also the same city where, you know, uh, I committed a robbery case and my whole life kind of like flipped upside down. You know, a few blocks away, I was in jail. And then to, uh, to go and everything I've done in life to redeem myself in prison, get my life back on track. Uh, my family's back there to get my family back in line. My, my wife, she grad, well, she's not my wife yet. We'll get married next year. But, uh, Congratulations. Uh, yeah. Congratulations. There we go. But, uh, but I said it's 14, 14 years. 14 years we've been together. She graduated from Ohio State. Uh, but to get it all the way back, to bring it all the way back in, and to redeem yourself in, fr in front of people who rooted for you, who cheered for you, uh, this is where I basically built myself. This is how the world... Uh, known, had a chance to meet Maurice Claret. Of course, I came from Youngstown, but uh, there's no place like Columbus. There you go. <laughs> yeah, but if, you, if, you, if you're here, you know, the, the city's growing, the city's booming, there's it's people everywhere. It's, um, it's a great place to live, a great place to be, and, and, and the reception from people now is a, is a more human reception instead of athletic where, you know, they may have a, a cousin, a brother, an uncle who had been through something, and then to see, to see me redeem myself, uh, I, I get that sort of interaction from people. So this is this is a great city to be in, great city to live in. I live right up here in Westerville, but I love it. Man, oh boy, Maurice. I'm so thankful that you said yes to join us here tonight because your story, although it's inspirational, it doesn't get talked about enough. When you were on a football field, you were a fucking animal. <laughs> you were an absolute animal on the field in between the, the white lines there. How would you describe the way you played? And whenever you would go into a game, what was the mindset whenever you were playing for the Buckeyes? Because you were young. You were a freshman. You were just a little kid out there. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. Uh, a lot of my personality and how I play got shaped from, uh, from two things. Uh, our high school coach, his name was Tom McDaniels. He was uh, Josh McDaniels' father. Oh. Right for, for um, Patriots. Patriots, right? And so well, he, he was almost the Colts head coach. <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> <laughs> Literally turned the plane around. <laughs> Which is a wild move. I'm sure his dad's a much better guy. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry. No, a lot came from there. So um, it, he, he was the guy who, who set me down and broke the entire game down to me. Uh, so as much as I was like, you know, very physical and, and, and super aggressive, um, I, I modeled a lot of what I did after him just breaking the game down, understanding from like an artistic standpoint. Uh, but the second half came from, uh, I used to watch a bunch of tapes of Mike Tyson. So I used to watch Mike Tyson, how aggressive he was. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I would, um, I, I, for my 10th, 11th, and 12th grade year, I trained in a boxing gym. So anybody who's ever boxed before, you, you start to realize that if you box or fight, you become like naturally aggressive towards people. And that's what kind of happened on the football field. But that was like the magic sauce to everything. That's what I did for punting too. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of my thing, yeah. I, I tell you this, man, this is the, I don't, I don't know how anybody feel. I felt like a game coming out. This, this has to be like some of the funniest shit I've heard. <laughs> I'm telling you, I, I didn't know what to expect. Like I, I had no clue what to expect, honestly, right? It's like you get like, I got a feeling right now to just feel like so fucking good and euphoric and happy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I don't know what y'all got going on, but it's like everybody can feel it. 
You're an incredible talker. You you're, you do uh, you have podcasts. You do a lot of great things. You're an incredible speaker. Do you feel obligated at this point to kind of give back to to people and to be this role model and leader for uh, not just Ohio, but basically for a lot of people who have been through a struggle or anything like that? Yeah, I, I just tell like this. Um, when I was going through, you know, life is a lot more information is a lot easier to share. But when I was going through like my stressful time, right. Uh, I get kicked out of school. Just think about this. I'm 19 years old. I get kicked out of school. Um, at, that at that time, I couldn't do the work because I had somebody doing my work for me. Uh, so I couldn't go back to school. To <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I respect it. I wish uh, somebody did that for me in West Virginia. <laughs> I would have been a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, it's serious stuff. You know, so you, you, you kicked out of school. You have no money. You're separated from your friends. And I don't care who you are. And, and they cut my scholarship check. So as a kid, that's a lot to deal with. If you're an adult in here and somebody cuts your job, they cut your friends, they cut these things off, that's a ton for any kid to, like, yep. digest. And so... Um, to, to, to understand how that feels, to understand like the depression and stress to get that off of me and getting past it now when somebody comes to me, they direct message me, they call me, uh, I, own, I own a drug and alcohol treatment center. So when they come to the facility, they come and, they, and, and they're in a broken spirit, you know? So, <laughs> so, <laughs> no, so but, but when they come in, some people can do it responsibly, other people can't. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to interrupt you. I just, uh, no, I but it's. I know a guy. <laughs> Unbelievable. No, it's just it's great to share the mentality with people that it takes to get over their shit. You know what I'm saying? To own your shit. And so I'm not knocking anybody who drinks. I just don't drink a drug anymore. And for me, it just wasn't a place in my life, right? <laughs> Hey, I want to let you know, you're, it's a, you're a real, like, honestly, I have friends who have become completely sober individuals and people that have changed their life. I mean, I go through bouts of it every once in a while, except for whenever people literally pay me to drink. That's literally, <laughs> that happens. I mean, a natural light was just like, um, so this is what we want to do. We want to pay you this amount of money. We want to animate one of your stand-up stories. And then we want to take you to like three events where you just chug natural light for our, spa, our friends. And I'm like... I mean, I guess I can do that for you, but I'm gonna kill myself out there. Like, That's what we're looking for. <laughs> but your, your story is so, I, I honestly can say personally that whenever I'm like going through something and there might be a day where I wake up, everybody assumes that I wake up every morning just ready to take over the world, which is the case normally. But whenever I'm not, I look to Maurice Claret, I look to like your posts, your Instagram, your Twitter, and then listen to the things that you've said. So I want, you've done a lot for me. That's why I've been very thankful that you've come out here. Thank you. The boys have some questions for you, if you don't mind. Cool. Can I ask you a question about the big case? Is, is that okay? Everything, you, like you go around the country talking about this, right? Is hey, he's a cop. Okay. <laughs> so... <laughs> Wait, how deep is this question going to be? <laughs> <laughs> there, there, was a, there was a day. Um, I didn't want to be involved. In 2006, I think you were going through a trial, and there was a day where a, a police officer tried to stop your car, led to a pursuit. When they stopped you, they found you with a bulletproof vest, a, an assault rifle, two handguns, and a katana sword. <laughs> My question is... What do you have for breakfast on a day that starts like that? 
Like, that's a hell of a day you had planned. Why do you, do you start with oatmeal? I don't know how you get that one going. <laughs> Today's the day. Today's the day. Well, there's a, there's a backstory to it, right? So. <laughs> you don't have to answer that one. I have a real question for you. Because you're such an inspiration to, to not only me, but everybody in this room. Uh, I mean, and, and, and to look at you where you're at now from where you were is, is a lesson to be learned from everybody. It's, there's no doubt this is going to be a movie one day. If I have to pick somebody to play you in the movie about your life, who would you handpick? Hey, Maurice, be your own man here. You make your own decisions. You don't listen to these people. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Somebody. What do you say? I don't think hey, Google Easy, easy. easy. <laughs> Just get on your phone real quick and Google that before you say the next five years. Jesus. A little bit handsy. <laughs> it is the Big Ten. Oh. Oh. Take it easy. No, who have you thought about? I assume a. Oh, that guy's the. <laughs> he saved me from puking earlier, so I guess I. <laughs> from alcohol. Oh, <laughs> the um, the thought of having a movie about you in this whole thing that has to be a pretty cool feeling, though. Have you given much thought of that or any steps about that? Yeah, I, I, I tell you like this, man. I uh, I try to inspire myself, but even more, I want my life to represent like somebody who just like like never fucking gave up. You know what I'm saying? Like 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 serious, man. So um, like, serious, you know what I mean? And um and somebody says CSG. Oh, uh, a different day, same discipline. Yeah. Oh. Not what I would have guessed. All right. Okay. <laughs> Not what I would have guessed. All right. Yeah, so I thought I didn't know what she was saying, but I no, was... no, no. So no, thought it... that was like a married thing, like different days, same <laughs> dick. <laughs> I thought it was a dentist. What was that? What yeah. What say? is that? No. So so like like so you when you like you know when you down and out, you have to find out uh, different things that motivate you, right? And uh. <laughs> this is going great. <laughs> no, this is this is serious. Yeah, hey, you hear? This is serious. Maurice, <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's all good. So BBC's. Hey man, this is this is some this is great shit. This is <laughs> we'll edit that out. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Maurice Claret, very much loved in Columbus, very much an awesome man. Very much the so. best, incredible human being. And we interrupt this conversation that is about to get better. I promise you, if it hasn't already taken off, it's things about to take flight into a stratosphere of itself. Speaking of being on a level of itself, 
Do you know that CBDMD is a leader in the CBD oil industry that sells premium CBD oil products? Nice. Do Do tell. From gummies to vapes to tinctures, there's a wide variety of options, but for those with muscle pain, stiff joints, or other nagging issues, CBDMD has a line of topical products to help you handle whatever you're dealing with. Just last week, I was kicking some balls around in this pasture near my house. Mm -hmm. They don't cut the grass. So it's like I'm literally kicking on a farm, like maybe a (laughs) cornfield, knee high. By the 4th of July. Is what it felt like I was kicking in there. So every once in a while, my cleat will get stuck in the grass, and I'll feel a little strain maybe in the grundle or the the hip flexor or the quad. And I was like, you know, is it old age? Am I ever going to bounce back from this? And I want, boom, right to the CBD freeze, which is a topical cream that you rub on top of your muscles right before you go to bed. And it makes it feel so much better. It comes in a convenient roller or shareable squeeze tube, menthol, CBD, and a proprietary blend of pain-fighting compounds. Freeze away discomfort from bruises, sore muscles, which is what I was referring to, and stiff joints. They also have inflammation formula, which helps you recover. It combines CBD with arnica and vitamin B6 to create a powerful inflammation-fighting recovery booster. Moisturizing cream to make your body look incredible with coconut oil and aloe vera which is merged with cbd to both heal and moisturize damaged skin also they're not telling us to market this but it is something that has changed my life drastically they have a CBD melatonin drop. Oh, wow. Nice. I, yeah, I use it before bed every single night. <laughs> night, night! <laughs> <laughs> like a baby. Night, night! Is what happens. I'm telling you, I put one, uh, I put a half, uh, it, it has like a little dropper thing. You go in there and it goes all the way up to one thing. And then there's like a 0.50 and I do a 0.50 thing, drop underneath my tongue, Perfect, huh? let that thing sit for 30 seconds. It has a mint flavor too. So it's like I will mouthwash before bed. Oh, yeah. Th- then I drink her down with some water so I get hydrated and I wake, I go to bed quickly and I wake up feeling good. I, I don't know if it's the exact reason why I feel much better in the morning, but boy, once I started using CBDMD's melatonin recipe, life has become much better at night and in the morning. That is nice. Each product is available in a variety of sizes and strengths for whatever level of pain you're experiencing. Whether you're a former pro, Pat, yourself, you, Ty, Big Ten Angler. Yes, (laughs) thank you. (laughs) Or an average Joe. Zito. Yep. He uses it too. CBDMD topicals will help you unlock a new level of comfort and recovery. Right now, head to CBDMD.com, use coupon code McAfee, and get 20% off everything. Yeah, what is that again? It is CBDMD.com, promo code, coupon code McAfee. You get 20% off your order. And if you haven't jumped on the CBD train yet, now is the time, especially with the CBDMD folks, because it is premium CBD. And I... I've been training a lot more lately. Yeah, you have. I've been getting back into a little bit more fitness. And I've noticed that the CBD has really helped me take my training, not only to another level, but also make me wake up feeling like, yo, am I 21? (laughs) (laughs) CBDMD.com, promo code McAfee, 20% off. Let's get back to this incredibly inspiring human being. Live in front of thousands and thousands of humans in Columbus, Ohio. No, but uh, uh, when you when you down and out, man, you need to like. And there's people in here who fucking down and out. They came here to have a good time, but you need shit to motivate you every day. And I used to tell myself, like, in order to get on track, like, you have to have a supreme level of discipline. So I used to say, you know, different discipline same day. 
and I would find things that I would be disciplined on that would help me move forward, right? And so uh, I use uh, Twitter or um, what is it, Instagram as a, as, a, as a space for accountability, right? So I put my posts up and just to kind of make sure that I'm doing the same shit that keeps me moving forward. And sometimes when you put yourself out there, it's a lot easier for, like, people that you don't even know, they hold you accountable. Like, you know, where the fuck you at? Are you running today? Are you exercising? And so uh, I used to tell myself, like... <laughs> Diggs hasn't exercised in about 10 years. Pretty fucking disciplined group up here. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, thank you for acknowledging it. But uh, that's that, that's sort of, like, my thing to, um, Keep me on track. I, I don't know, man. You know, when you you know, as an athlete, you have so much energy. Once you're done playing, <laughs> <laughs> please, please continue, Murray. That's not funny. <laughs> but you would imagine. So we, we go through all these years. We do all this practice, and you have so much energy and aggression. And, and finding a, a platform to put that on on a daily basis is important because if not, you go fucking crazy. And, and I'll say this in a serious way. You, you all can have fun and, and, uh, and have a good time and drink, but there's a lot of guys who you know yep. who, are, who are fucked up and, and they'll end up drinking and, and holding their problems there. Yep. And so, you know, you have to encourage them. Even though this is a platform, this is like a fucking great time, I'll tell you that shit. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right, though. It is something that's real. And I, I, real. I think there is something to be said about speaking something into existence. Like, it's true. Whenever it's I say something publicly... Normally, I have no idea if it's really going to happen, but if I say it enough, I, I'm kind of forcing myself to have to back it up, right? So it's like, yo, I'm going to be the WWE Universal Champion at some point like that. All right? That's going to happen. That's going to happen. That is going to happen. Now, I don't know how many hand jobs I'm going to have to get. Like, these, these are things that are going to happen. And now if they don't, everybody will think I'm just a lying asshole. So it's like, well, I ain't going to do that. I ain't going to go out like no bitch. I'm going to go make these things happen. But to do that, I think it's a real thing to do that. And a lot of people, I don't think, appreciate the fact of when people put their goals out there, or when people are, are willing enough to expose the things that they're going through, they don't even think about how it's potentially helping the person that's putting it out more so than helping everybody else. Absolutely. Accountability is a big... Yeah, I'll tell you like this, man. Accountability is a motherfucker. And the woman back there who's been with me for 14 years, my brother's also back there. Uh, Good see... beard on him, too. He's got like a Rick Ross oh, fucking Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was the first one to turn the corner, and I was like, what the fuck? They're your accountability buddies. <laughs> accountability buddies. Oh, no. Accountability buddies. But it's a real thing. Yeah, but you know, man, you, you start from nothing. I got out of prison with $400. You know what I'm saying? And to, to go around the world to speak, to save money, to end up building business. You know, I employ probably 140 people now. What? Yeah, 100%. Let's go! I have 12 employees, and I think about disappearing every day. <laughs> no, but it's, it's serious shit. But, like, so this, this is the, this is the, the story. You're, like, you're building your life. You're putting it back together. You're staying humble. You're staying hungry. And, and, you're, and you're constantly moving forward. And I, I want to I be able to look at somebody in the eye, anybody in here, at whatever point they may be, if they're going through some shit, and be like, yo, fuck, I did it. You know what I'm saying? Yep. I, I, I went for $400. I, I, I went from the NFL when, I, when my lady was with me. She went to Walmart. My family saw me struggle. My family saw me struggling drinking. My family saw me struggling with all the shit. And to get your shit back together from that, like, that's everything. You know what oh, I'm yeah. You're awesome, dude. <clears throat> The guy who's about to ask you the next question, zero discipline, zero accountability. Name's, <laughs> name's yeah. Dix. Uh, so I watched a documentary recently on prison. 
Um, <laughs> easy. Take it easy. This Are is a serious you kidding question. me? This is, can you not? It's a serious question. It's about prison. Um, <laughs> Adam Sandler went to prison. <laughs> he stole his wife's Bentley and got a DUI. He was a football player. And the warden recruited him strictly to play for his prison football team. Did that happen to you? Is that a real thing? <laughs> uh, look, don't assume it on us. <laughs> <laughs> it's a documentary, man. So, <laughs> so I, I will tell you this, and it's something I'm proud of. I, I didn't play prison football. I, I did win a championship on the basketball team. Let's go! Let's go! Let's go! Ladies and gentlemen, prison basketball champion, Maurice Correa! Did you play other prisons? <laughs> but there was a football team though? It was a real question. Oh, this, hey, I, this, by the way, this is again, once for me. I don't even, so like... <laughs> So you guys like got on a bus and went and played other prisons, or no? So you play intramural. <laughs> oh, we played it. Our team name, not. No, so you know, prison. You have you have, <laughs> you have twenty two hundred guys inside of an institution, and so everybody you know picks their seven or eight guys, and you play the whole institution. And okay, you know, it's, it's it, to be honest with you, it the the crowd is like this in prison door basketball. <laughs> so, and they, so, so prison, they got the alcohol, they got the everything, and they, they enjoy watching the guys play the game. And so, Were you the first round draft pick then? I, I was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got hey, I'm going to take the fucking damn near Heisman where I don't know if he can play basketball for shit, but he's going to be on our team for sure. <laughs> what you guys got over there in the D block, bro? <laughs> That's all. Were you good? I, 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 you, about 10 years ago. I just jog now. But I can, I can shoot. That's about it. Yeah. There we go. That's a high school right there. <laughs> I can't see too many people back there, but I can hear them. It's a, yeah, that's that one fucking guy. <laughs> uh, the guy from Ann Arbor, Michigan. Diehard Michigan Wolverines fan. Uh, <laughs> Jeffrey Gorman has a question. Well, when you come on our show and get nice and deep and talk about your personal ideas, I want to switch it over to football. Is that Dr. Phil? That's a bad Dr. Phil. <laughs> I, I want to know. Here's the thing I remember about you. You ran violently, a violent ball carrier. Who did you want to be when you were this big and you saw those guys in the NFL playing? Who did you model yourself after? I'm not sure if people remember this guy. Uh, you ever heard of Christian Okoye? Oh, 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 yeah. oh, oh Nigerian a, nightmare. <laughs> That's where he went. Nigerian nightmare. Yeah. yeah. So when I remember, I used to see him, he would violently run through people. And then I remember uh, since I was a bigger guy, I used to watch Jerome Bettis. Who the Let's boss? Go. boss. Hey, Donner Steelers. Get off the, the track. wheels on the bus go round and round, round and round, round and round. That was forced in like every kid's ears that grew up in Pittsburgh. I swear to God, I popped out of my mom's vagina and they were like, here's the deal. Jerome Bettis is the bus and the wheels on that bus. 
go round and round. Pledge of Allegiance, wheels on the bus. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you weren't that big, my friend. He was a big boy. Yeah, he was big. You're, by the way, you walked in today, and I think all of us, we all had side conversations behind your back. No offense. We're like, yo, Claret looks like he could really fucking do it right now if he had to. <laughs> you're sticking on a pretty... It's a, you're on a oh, pretty... Oh, it's just a look. No, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> These look... The, well, I, probably just, I don't know. The, you know, the older you get, you just... You, 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 I don't know what shuts down. <laughs> I just jog. That's it. Same. <laughs> you do no upper body and your tits are D-cups. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. You look like you could play right now if you had to. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Uh, this next guy, he crashed an RV in a MetLife stadium. Allegedly, allegedly. No, definitely, definitely. No, no, it's definite. That's uh, a true story. Is that a true story? Da, da, da. <laughs> totally true. Yeah, there's a video out there that's kind of screwed us over now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, with uh, the red zone, is that what it's called? Yes. Uh, for all the things that... For all the people that you helped and like changed lives, is there one that sticks out the most? Seriously, is there one that sticks out? I, I, I don't know. They, they all they all come the same. You know, you, you'll find somebody. Um, you, know, you know what? Some, this, this one guy, Corey. I'll say this: the guy Corey. He wouldn't mind if I said his name, but he was a guy who struggled at other treatment institutions, and uh, I kind of told him like, you know, how treatment works, and you know, trying to get himself together. And I really didn't think he was going to stick it out, uh, just because you know, when, when a guy goes to treatment, there's so much discipline. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but when he stuck it out and he graduated, you know, he's been with us for about I want to say about a year and a half now. Uh, he's clean. He's, he's he does his music. He go he goes and throws his concerts. You know, guy doesn't uh, he has a relapse, and so. It's encouraging to see guys like that, but I'm telling you, some of the most powerful conversations, I remember there was um, a mother who had called me, and her son was a college baseball player, but he had seen my show on TV and was like, you know, maybe if you call him, uh, maybe he can get you some assistance. And so I remember, um, you know, talking to her and then, like, encouraging people just to get inside treatment. So I, I don't know, you know what I'm saying, but there's a few people or there's a few instances where, you know, you're just happy that people get themselves back together and get their feet yeah. back up under them. How about Z with that question? That was a great question. Zito. Fucking journalist Zito right there. The longest show was my first question. I had to go to the second one. <laughs> <laughs> it's on me. Uh, this next guy, he was a Big Ten angler, a fisherman for <laughs> Iowa. Never casted a single cast. Ty Schmidt. I got so piss. I got we alluded piss. to it earlier, Maurice. You were, bri- you were, you were oh, built like a brick shit house when you were still playing. But I think you were billed at like 5'8", and when you walked in here, I thought you were like fucking 6'5". So <laughs> you've grown like eight inches since you graduated? No, no. I, I tried try to lean up a little bit, but I, that, that's not even working. Maybe it might be the shoes. I got some uh, Vapor Maxes on. Uh, <laughs> when you came in, and when he was, uh, when he was doing his Gruden, and he was talking about your, your quarterback, you were in the back going wild. And I thought, if you guys maybe had a different quarterback during that run, you might have won oh, each game by 60 instead of 20. <laughs> yeah, I know, motherfucker. <laughs> I watched the game. I'm, Ken Dorsey was no better. <laughs> no. Well, I love Craig Crenzel. Craig Crenzel did a lot for our team. Did he? Yeah. <laughs> I wish he was here somewhere. He might be. I don't fucking know. Uh, <laughs> And to piggyback on Zeke's question, do you really feel like you're, you talk about God's plan or whoever's plan or whatever, like, 
that one life had to be sidetracked for a while in order to improve like literally thousands of lives now. You know what I mean? Like that's an incredible thing to think about. So I, I, could, I can set the microphone down and if my family came here, I just had this conversation coming down here on 71. I said, man, I don't think my life was, I wasn't meant to play football. I just really said, right. I said, and as weird as it sounds, when I was younger, I regretted it. I was like, man, because I really wanted to play football. I really wanted to go out there and score touchdowns and get like, my, my ego wanted it, right? Right. And so just the way I see things play out in, the, in how peaceful I am, how happy I am, how, um, how centered I am with life and how much advice I can give to others, how many people that I help now in comparison to what I would have been doing if I played football, I 100% in my mind, I firmly believe that that just wasn't for me. I think it was a gift. I played for a year. It was, it was, it was wonderful. Uh, but my body, I wasn't supposed to beat my head up. I wasn't supposed to beat my body up. I wasn't supposed to do it. And now I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, I have a family. I'm happy. And you know, I, I just think that's it. Yeah. You're supposed to be a different kind of hero. And you are. Um, Maurice, I have a question, please. Oh, thank God you're back. Uh, Jesus Christ. That was a great answer, man. I was pissing back here. <laughs> we were no free ads. No free ads. This is not. This is not bang. It's pang. <laughs> uh, Nick, did you ask your question? No, I'm about to right now. Um, this is going to be a good one. I have a feel. Yeah, it's going to be hard hitting because uh, I. I am a published journalist in the New York Post as of today, so I just want you to Let's know Let's go! For those that don't know what that means, Nick put out a tweet about the NHL Awards. Apparently, the biggest moment of the night was when a guy with the last name of Price came out and saw a child who had lost his mother. It was a very emotional moment. Everybody was crying. It went viral. It was awesome. It was really cool. But Nick did some real investigative journalism to get down to the bottom of it. And the guy, the suit that he was wearing, the NHL player, in the pocket, he forgot one of those like pocket squares. <laughs> so he actually used his wife's panties and put them in there. <laughs> so this video from the NHL Awards has gotten like 200 million views. And he's hugging this kid. And in the jacket is this <laughs> his wife's black thong. And Nick... And Nick uncovered this information and tweeted it out. Now he's in the New York Post. He's in the fucking UK Daily Mail. <laughs> this guy literally is the panty bandit over there. Just doing my job. Yeah, you are. You're a legend. As a man with multiple degrees, I have to ask you this. Go ahead. You went to Ohio State. Yeah. I heard some things. Maybe you received some verbal tests. What was the toughest course in your tenure? What's a verbal at Ohio test? State? What is a, a verbal, verbal test? test would be, if I were to ask you a question, when did Christopher Columbus uh, sail to America? A, 1700. No. B, 1492. <laughs> C, 1800. <laughs> no. I'm going B, by the way. 1492. <laughs> All right. Look at me. Hey. I'm pretty proud of me right there. Is the NCA out there? NCAA. <laughs> Is that how, no, but how you mentioned it earlier that people were doing your work for you. So whenever you were yeah, cut and let go, you couldn't go back to school. How did that work? Because uh, we at West Virginia, we had something called athletic coaching education was a major. And guys would literally go in there and watch movies 
they would write a review on it and then have to give a test. Like, the Rudy was the final. Like, movie Rudy was the final. <laughs> they were like, what, what did he do to do this? It was like, A, have fun. B, work hard. C, have grit. Or D, all of the above. And guys would be like, D. They're like, that's right. <laughs> You're going to graduate with fucking honors. Fake, <laughs> fake story, by the way. Rudy? Rudy? Fake story, in case anyone didn't know. See? Yep. <laughs> Easy. Listen, Joe Montana said it. Fake story. <laughs> Fucking Joe Montana can't have anybody else getting any shine. <laughs> He's in those Skechers commercials doing a fucking old man role. <laughs> but that the story about academics in college is something that comes out on a very regular basis. Yeah, Your everywhere. story is a real one. Yeah, that's what, everywhere. What was it like, though? What was it? No, I just, uh, I really speak for most places. I think, and, and just for those who don't know, you, you know, we have a group of athletes who come in from failing school districts, which a lot of these guys do. Um, it, it's, it's really a racket, and I can only talk about it in a serious way. Mm-hmm. And you have a bunch of smart people who fool the kids to believe, like, hey, you know, come to African-American studies or communications. And the kid thinks he's getting over on a program, but they're actually putting you in a fluff class to keep you eligible. And so that's what happens. You know, you, and you get put inside of these, um, excuse me, you get put inside of these, um, these, uh, these, these classes. And as a kid, you're saying, hey, you know, all I got to do is go to class and show up and then everything is taken care of for, and everything is kind of taken care of. And that's kind of what happened in my situation and in most young kids' situations. But you know, it is what it is. And uh, even when I go speak now, it's to make the, the kid aware that you're not really getting over on a program. Yeah. You're actually being used. And at a college with so many people who's educated, uh, you should be. I, I tell you like this I, I, did, I did a story. This one, Les Miles was down in um, LSU. Uh, LSU. So at that time, Leonard Fournette was there. And uh, I asked Leonard Fournette, you know, what did he want to become? And he said, you know, I want to become a, um, a physical trainer. I said, you know, you're a motherfucking liar, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> right? By the way, the fact that you were just willing to say that to Leonard Fournette, <laughs> who has looked like a 50-year-old man since he was 12, <laughs> is insane. No, but I, I really said it. And, and just to have, like, you know, because you can't unsee, you can't unhear. And so I said, Les Miles, would you, put your, would you put your kids in the same classes that you put your star athletes in? And he had like a dumbass look on his face. Always does. But it was it was a serious question. I said because you're purposely miseducating people. And so even if these guys couldn't qualify, and I, I say this everywhere I go, I speak towards administration, athletic directors, whoever. It doesn't matter. Even if these guys can't or are not prepared academically, well, let's set it up and say, okay, you read on an eighth grade level right now, but you perform very well. Let me bring you to a twelfth grade level. By the time you're here, you'll have kids, you'll have a wife, you'll represent our university. Let me improve the core person of who you are. And so that's the conversation that should be had. Like me going to women's studies, or me going to African American studies, or me going to these bullshit classes does nothing for me as a human being. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And so do, these are the things I talk about. It's real. <laughs> I have a lot of teammates that their schooling in high school was non-existent. They were just getting pushed through strictly because they were such good athletes. It was like, we can't have these kids fail because then they won't have a chance to go to college and change their life. So they just get pushed through. And then when they get to college, same thing. That athletic coaching education thing is a real thing. And then the only hope is you make it to the NFL. If you don't make it to... Yeah, only 2% of people make it to the NFL. If you don't make it to the NFL, your entire rest of your life is fucked. You got nothing because you can't... Most of the guys, like, whenever these Wonderlick scores come out and they're like, oh, this guy scored a four. I was like, 
that guy can't read, so <laughs> yeah. we should, let's not, that guy, great at football, but the reason why he got a four is because he can't read, and he's probably about a semester away from getting a degree from that college, too, so let's go ahead and think about that. I think you're doing, like, incredible work for the community whenever you push that, and also, don't you think, hey, hell yeah, I think you're doing great work, Maurice. I've, I've said this, if you're, I've said this on numerous occasions, Somebody else said it. They got a lot more pub out of it, but that's what I'm here for. More ideas will come. People can take them all the time. There should be like a professional athlete major or like a life major that college athletes can get that teach you how to do taxes, that teach you how to do your bills, that teach you how to read if you can't read, that teach you how to be a great husband, that teach you how to all these things. That is something that should happen. And if we really care at all about people, I think that's something that should happen, honestly. Yeah, and I'll say this, man, just like, think about this, people would know me in Columbus, Ohio, in America for forever, right? And so some of these athletes are some of the most notable people from their communities. Hell yeah. The most notable. And, you know, what is, if the greatest thing you can do is take a camp back to your community after going to college, you've kind of failed yourself. You know what I'm saying? Oh. So most of these guys, when they're done playing football, they'll say, hey, you know, let me throw a camp and let me entertain people even more. I say, no, nah, that's not really the goal when you've been around an elite university, you've been around boosters and business owners, and you have social equity. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, these are the conversations I try to have with these young guys. And so now you're not just getting pushed through a system and falling out, and, you know, you're just a piece of shit. And now, you know, and, I, and I'll tell you honestly, right, that's where the drinking comes from because you're depressed, you're stressed, you're scared to go out in public, you can't communicate very well. And I'm just bringing up the conversation for guys who may not be, like, um, have the courage to say it. Yeah, because there's real fulfillment in that type of stuff. And when you don't Absolutely. have any fulfillment, you fall back on everything else. You fall back on everything else. And, and, I, and I'll just keep on, I'll, I'll push this conversation. My life only changed. It didn't change for some like, you know, hocus pocus reason. It changed from fucking reading. You know what I mean? It changed from when I was in prison, I fucking read every day. I did book reports, The Economist, Fortune, Forbes, uh, anything I can possibly And write. one basketball championship? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, but but that's you know that's it. That's that's how you fucking change yourself. It's the information you consume. Now we have the internet. Now you consume new stuff, and then you know you become a new person, and you you start to figure out who you are and how you can you know launch who you are from the platform that you have. And so I hope hopefully an ex athlete hears this and it pops in their brain and say, hey, you know, either I'm fucking working on audio books and working on a physical book. Uh, I, I just got excited. My girl just gave me a book before I came here. You know, so I can't wait to dig into that. But that's the shit that changes you. You know what I'm saying? I know we're entertaining ourselves here. I, I feel bad because... No, no, listen. No, no. I, this is incredible stuff. This is, a, this is incredible. This is... Last night... <clears throat> last night, I got like 50 beers thrown at me to chug. And tonight, I feel like... I'm learning so much about the world. I mean, I did chug a bottle of wine earlier and a $7 beer from the alcoholic kid down here that should be calling me later. But Maurice, I can't, when I say this, I mean it. Tonight's conversation exceeded my expectations. You choosing to come here is absolutely incredible. And from myself and all of these people, Thank you so much for everything you're doing for the world. Ladies and gentlemen, one more time, Maurice Claret. Hey, that was awesome.
So when I was showering with a dude, no, I don't know how you follow that. I know. Maurice, that was amazing, man. I can't thank you enough for doing that. You're doing literally the Lord's work, dude. You're the best. I have no idea what the fuck to do right now. <laughs> hey, that's that's just real. That's not just that guy. That guy literally. He's a saint. There's 140 employees. I would kill myself. <laughs> Honestly, I'll wake up. I'll wake up in the morning and get a text message from one of these guys, and I'm like, "Why the fuck am I their boss?" <laughs> He's changing the world one step at a time. I can't thank him enough for stopping by. His lady's awesome. His brother is great. Maurice Claret's a living legend. I learned so much there, man. Whenever we were sitting on stage with him, it's very difficult whenever... Because right, right before I brought him out there, I introduced all of you. But right before that, I did like an hour-long stand-up yeah. comedy set, right? Mm -hmm. right? Where I'm telling stories about doing dumb things and the crowd is having a good time. And the people that came out to our shows were the greatest humans on Earth. That was awesome. Yeah. On Earth. Greatest yeah, humans on Earth. I cannot wait to get to Detroit, Iowa, and Minnesota mm -hmm. to reschedule those shows because we had so much fun. And I... I think I speak for everybody there. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. This yeah. was an awesome weekend because the people that listen to our shows are the people that are the backbone of this entire yes, operation. For sure. They really are. I mean, the backbone of this entire operation are the people. So to get out there and get a chance to really see people and meet people and chat with people and feel the love was awesome for me. I, I, I think I speak for everybody. Oh, yeah. yeah absolutely. Without a doubt. Todd, you've done a lot of shows. How would you compare these podcast shows that we did the last couple of nights to, to other shows that you've seen or done? I have more fun on these shows. How come? Because of the variety. Like you said, uh, I get to watch your stand-up. We had a chance to do uh, to be funny. And then to have these interesting guests come in and learn about them and mix it up and see them have a good time intermixed with something that, that at least in Maurice's case, had, he really hadn't done before. Like that was that's incredible to me. I agree. The the way he explained to us how it, he felt during it afterward made yes. it all worth it. The way the mm -hmm. fans reacted during the show and after made it all worth it. To watch everybody that I work with every day shine in their own moment made it absolutely worth it. I, I love it. I love it so much. I agree. I had like a proud dad moment whenever and I'm not older than most of you. So <laughs> <laughs> it is a, is an interesting thing. But whenever I would bring you guys out onto the stage and it was like, all right, here's your time to almost listen to people saying thanks for everything that you've done. Mm -hmm. That was so cool to me. And to watch you guys battle your fears, which not every, some people had some real fears of speaking in public, I think it was a really cool thing. Maurice Claret said that whenever he was standing side stage and he was about to come in, he said he had the same feeling as if it was about to be mm -hmm. a game again, like yeah. all this pent-up energy. And I want to know, was it like that for you guys as well? Yeah, so like the first night in Pittsburgh was like a real nervousness, I think, because I have never been on stage before. But then once you do that, the second and third uh, night was more of an excited nervousness like you got before you were playing a game. Mm -hmm. Like it's just like... I don't know. There was there was no way. There's no there's no way, real way to describe it unless you do it like walking out there and you are in front of like literally the greatest fans on earth. Yeah. And then you make it. You made it so easy for us because you literally have them eating out of the, out of your hands, out of your palms after an hour of stand up. And then we go out there and just have to do a minute of our just dumb bullshit. And luckily, people <laughs> people like us for some reason. It seems like, and it was it was one. It was definitely one of the cooler experiences of my entire life. It for is for sure. It is so interesting because everywhere we went, they were like, uh, "Okay, what time does the opener go up?" 
And I was like, uh, there is no opener. It's like, so what's happening? I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to go out there at 7 o'clock. <laughs> and what's the run of shows? I don't know. I'm just saying like 30, 45, maybe an hour. I don't know. And then the boys are going to come out, and then we'll have a guest. It would be a lot easier if you gave us a run of shows. <laughs> well, I have no idea how much I'm going to be feeling. Right <laughs> I don't know. What, I don't know. What, I'm sorry. But it was – I absolutely, man – uh, we should probably do that more often. Todd, we had a, a late night ride home. We were supposed to stop by Brothers in Columbus directly <laughs> afterwards. We had another fucking van issue. We almost ran out of gas. Yeah. We, <laughs> we, we almost had a real situation in the middle of Columbus at about midnight. So we apologize for not being able to stop at uh, at Brothers. We'll have to make it back for that for yeah, sure. For sure. Um, but I, Todd and I were talking... I I think we should do more of those. I think we should do more of those. They're very fun. Yeah. The the act of just surprising the shit out of the audience with who the guest is yeah. going to be. That's awesome. You don't get a lot of moments like that anymore. I don't think. Ty, I, I, every time you came out, I was always I was always very excited for what you were going <laughs> to potentially say. Uh, the John Gruden went over everywhere. By the way, John <laughs> Gruden, John Gruden's loved everywhere. I was. I don't know. It was weird. It's kind of like Diggs was saying. Like I was almost like tearing up before I went out. Like I'd get just like this big like swell of like pride almost. Mm-hmm. It's like obviously everyone's a fan of Pat and what we do, and then just like kind of by proxy us. It's mm-hmm. like no, no, Jesus I, Christ! Like there's no reason people should be going ape shit like this for me. But it's, just, <laughs> <laughs> but it's I don't know. It, it was just awesome. And yeah, like uh, Columbus more so than any other because I. I kind of knew who I was going to say, but I was looking for some like deep cuts from Ohio State football. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of had a little bit of a switch up at the Columbus show. So it was like, okay, get your shit together. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That was... Know what you're going to say when you go out. So it was, <laughs> but it, it was, it was, it was like uh, before like any kind of sporting event, just like that nervous energy that uh, I haven't felt in a really long time. And it was awesome to get back. Uh, Zito, your outfits <laughs> that you chose to wear. On stage were incredible, impeccable. Is that the best you've ever dressed in your entire life? Yeah, I was. Uh, I was gonna leave the the jacket behind, but I was like, I'm probably gonna use this for a future wedding. <laughs> My wedding, actually. What do you mean leave behind? Like, is that one of the venues? Just hang gonna... it up in the rafters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and one of them, there's a Zito sticker in one of the venues. <laughs> the um, you didn't fr- you didn't freeze. Uh, yeah, I thought I was gonna freeze up like B Rabbit. <laughs> I didn't though. <laughs> I forget what show it was afterwards. You told me that um, you said uh, I made eye contact with at least four people. <laughs> oh, that was, that's every night. Yeah. I, I was I would look at everyone and I would like look at them and then they'll look back at me and I was like, oh shit, I shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> You're allowed to look at people. You're allowed to look at people. And man. then I tried doing the middle of the forehead thing and that didn't work out. <laughs> so the eyes, I just gotta close my. I, I told you I was take my contacts off. <laughs> so so I, w- I wouldn't lock eyes. Yeah. <laughs> I could just see eyeballs. It was bad. Because there was some times where there was definitely a time where Zito could have came in with something incredibly stupid to say. Mm-hmm. And now I'm just thinking about... I was just locked eyes. You were just, <laughs> just staring at somebody like, don't look at me. I'm, like, I'm not supposed to, oh, is there a show? Fuck, am I a part of this conversation? No. All right, I'm going to keep looking out. It was a cool setup. Hey, Co- yo. I love Columbus because when Zito walks out there, the entire crowd is screaming, Die! Die! <laughs> 
And it was so funny. Uh, dude, it's fucking classic, man. <laughs> fucking classic. The Zito ad read. Uh, there was a live Zito ad read at a couple of the shows. He was pretty good at that one, though. He was the best one ever. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, it wasn't great, but it was better than usual. I think For so. his standards, it was pretty good. In front of a thousand people. Coach Lou Holtz made a couple of appearances out there, Jeffrey Gorman. He said hello. Uh, I believe there was a couple of places that mentioned you could potentially be a murderer. We shut them down very quickly. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Had you ever been on a stage with a microphone before? Pat? Seriously? Yeah. Really? Ton. You mean like, you know, Colts Colts stuff? I mean, I mean like like that sort of yeah, stuff? Yeah, but that's not really like the, the Colts stuff. Like they're there yeah, for the Colts. Right. You know what I mean? They're not there for <laughs> Yeah, but but I've done live theater like for for back in Los Angeles in my theater group. So I was but Did I you, mean I have mean, you really? Yeah. I mean that, those were 100, 200, 300 venues. But they're so. also coming for a particular play, right? They're yeah. not coming for Jeffrey Gorman's brain. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I mean yeah, you're right. That was that was a, a new sort of live show that it was, yeah, definitely. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. How'd you feel out there? Did you I know, enjoy? I thought, it? Oh, I love it. Yeah. Love it. I was, I was fun watching. Uh, well, well, the first night, I, I stayed away from Diggsy because he was doing a lot of pacing, <laughs> you know, in the Pittsburgh show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the family's there, and you guys are back home, and all that stuff. And I, you know, my favorite, one of my favorite moments from the uh, night, we're baking up there in Pittsburgh, and I Dude. mean, we're cooking. There's no AC in yeah, Pittsburgh. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, cooking like heat. You know, we're cooking like heat, and and, and I'm watching Todd. Todd's got sweat dripping down <laughs> his, down his. Uh, we found out the heater was on, by the way. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, because the door can't close, or the heater would turn on, and we left that door open the whole time. Oh, even better. Great. Well, how did? When did you know this? Z? There was two things on the wall. But like, paper. when did you know this? Before the show, At or the end. Oh, okay, I thought for sure you just knew that and just didn't tell he anyone. He did for sure. <laughs> he, the face that he's making right now is that he found out before the show started and he chose not to say. Who me? I read it. No way. <laughs> <laughs> but but one last thing before about Pittsburgh is and Diggsy was uh you know his family there and very proud and he's pacing and everything like that. So we're in we're we're ten five fifteen twenty minutes into our table sit down and I lean over to Diggsy and I go hey we should go to breakfast tomorrow <laughs> and he goes shut the fuck up <laughs> you know just. Kind to take a take a little bit of the. Uh, I did. I Diggs told me that Diggs said uh, in the middle of the show, Gorman asked me to go to breakfast tomorrow. That's a hilarious thought to think about, though. Just in the middle of a conversation, something's happening, and uh, Gorman's probably like Diggs probably thought something very important was going on. Right, right. uh, what's up, man? You got like something I should reference or something? Like, uh, you want to go to breakfast? What the fuck? You just, I hope it's on camera. You see the fucking. I gave him like a desk. There. Oh like, yeah, it was great. What the fuck are you doing? Just <laughs> cutting the ice a little. I have bit. trouble setting. Still at these shows. What do you mean? I was uh, doing a lot of pacing. I don't know. Before? I just, yeah, I just, you know, I wanted to keep my brain moving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. obviously, you wanted to stay listening to the show in case there's something that, that might be referenced right. later, yeah, all that yeah. stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, that's what's beautiful about these shows is we don't know. We don't know most of what's going to happen. Probably, you know? <laughs> I mean, we have we know the structure and we know you know who the guest is and all that stuff. But it's a truly a live performance. Well, and then, with not, it's not scripted. So, then, well, it can't be. No. no, 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 it's not. Because I've been to a couple of those shows that are scripted, obviously, and you can tell that the 
the people are up on stage, it's all scripted. You Usually terrible. Yeah, yeah, and it's bad. It comes like, off that's that what Maurice said to us, too, after. Yeah, if you have any brain at all, you can look and you're like, oh, okay, this is a scripted line. This is a scripted line. And we very much, I very much did not want it to be like that at all. I wanted to have natural mm -hmm. reactions up there, which is probably selfish of me because I wanted to enjoy the shows as well. Mm -hmm. But it was uh, it was awesome watching the people operate out there, man. It was cool. No, and you even said it on stage in Columbus because I don't know if somebody asked about it or not or whatever, but... But you were like, no, like you have no idea what we are going to come out and say in front of a crowd, and we have never ever done this before. So I can't even imagine, like from your perspective of things, like, oh boy, like what the fuck are these assholes going to say when they come out on stage? Well, at the beginning of this Maurice Correa one, I brought Todd out, and uh, he goes, uh, the age. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> Frankie Moraldo was running the ones and twos for an hour before the show started each night. I got zero complaints. A lot of compliments on the mood that was being set. So great job with the playlist, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. Couple, Just trying to make everyone happy. Get some energy. Couple great hand job jokes. Couple good mom <laughs> jokes. That <laughs> had to. We know we owe it to the people. And you, you drank like six bottles of Jameson. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of people don't know this. Nick's roommate for this trip was Jameson. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, like you guys said too, like I've never. The last time I was on stage, I think it was a sixth grade uh, recital, and I was a reindeer. So <laughs> I didn't really have a speaking part. So this one uh, needed a little bit of liquid courage to get out there. But uh, I wrote this in an Instagram post. But like Pat, I've seen you do this so many times, and I got to watch from the side stage. So I got to watch. Uh, how you handle things mm -hmm. and, and try and learn like just the cadence of speaking in front of that many people and the difference of being in the theater versus like in a comedy club. And I, I just tried to do my best version of whatever that was. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I was uh, surprisingly happy with how everything went. Yeah, and, you uh, should have been, man. I it know was you, a good time. You were scared shitless, man. <laughs> Nick Moraldo was not built to be put in front of no. a thousand human beings. Um, I thought you did great, man. And also... Nick, you got a pretty good little pop out there a couple of times. There was a, there was a Zito chant at one place that was incredible. Nick got a good pop. Everybody really got some great ovations from the crowd. I Didn't was, deserve it either. <laughs> no, Did not deserve that. none of us did, honestly. But it was it was really fun to watch, man. It was really fun to watch. And the way we ended each show was with a Q and A, and it led to some cool spots because we do live in our own bubble here every day we just kind of show up here and live in our own bubble and do our own thing so we don't really think much from an outsider's perspective and with these shows we got a chance to hear from an outsider's perspective and each evening we ended the show with a QA. and a in uh, the two men that were directing the Q&A uh, one was from Canada Gumpy did you enjoy the time out there bub? I think the coolest part for me was because I w came on last so I was with the special guest and to watch Shazier, Pac-Man, and Maurice stand there and hysterically laugh watching you guys and really enjoy the show, that was really cool for me. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. I didn't even... Because I would look over... Because in Cincinnati, I had no idea if Pac-Man was there until... <laughs> I mean, you heard. <laughs> until I had no idea if he, he made it or not, if he came, because the only message I got from him was, I got you. And it was like, all right, I hope so, man. <laughs> and he did come through, and you'll hear from him on Thursday. You'll hear from Shazier on Thursday. Uh, those two conversations, I when I say this, I mean are must-listens. Mm -hmm. uh, can't wait for you guys to hear that. We've been going through all of our footage right now. We would have put mm -hmm. more today but we gotta fucking cut up everything because there's a lot of filming i didn't even think about them 
Like Maurice Claret had no idea what I, what he was showing up at. I don't no. think. Just like Pac-Man and Shazier, I don't think they had a single clue what they were showing up with. <laughs> Shazier came straight out of Toy Story Four. <laughs> <laughs> he had no clue that I was doing stand-up. I didn't even think about them watching me do stand-up for the first time ever. Probably. Well, I was sitting there talking to Shazier, and I was kind of looked around and had a moment. I said, "I was paying ships a fucking week ago." <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting here shooting the shit with Ryan Shazier. Like, I just yep, completely I surreal, man. Well, Gumpy, you went out in the crowd, and then our boy, the handsome Evan Foxy, was out there roaming around with yep. the people. Foxy, you got a lot of picture and a lot of love from the folks. Yeah, that's the best part about the whole thing, like navigating the crowd, is that our fans are the best. Like, they actually are. They're so nice. Got to dap up with all of them, you know, take a lot of pictures, and it just makes it so easy. Uh, we got a chance to do a Q&A. And uh, I think you're going to enjoy it. And if they didn't hit any questions that you personally had or something like that, know on Thursday we got a couple more cities Q&As coming with two more incredible, incredible interviews. The Pac-Man interview, I don't think Hilarious. he does a lot of interviews. I think Pac-Man probably hates a majority of media folks, so you're not going to hear him talk a lot. I mean, we dove into everything with every. I mean, some people have some questions in this room here. Oh, Pat. I'm and when they you. asked the question, I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, I don't know if that's a great question to ask. I, I was loving it because it, what, I was hoping, like, they, they talk about the airport situation that happened. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, second question out of your mouth. Okay, <laughs> let's go back. I'm like, yes, well, here I, we go. I had to know about it. <laughs> I, I, we asked Pac-Man, and this is coming on Thursday. We asked Pac-Man. Everything you'd ever wanted to ask Pac-Man Jones. I mean, literally everything. And I I knew Pac-Man A was going to be proud of that airport fight, by the way, because he was the innocent guy. He right. was honestly right. attacked. Mm -hmm. He came fresh out of a fucking airport. He was holding chicken, and he knocked a fucking guy out. <laughs> and to hear his side of the story, I think you're going to enjoy a lot. I, I, I'm very thankful that, I mean, Maurice Claret. I mean, he just opened up to us right there in front of a thousand people in a comedic setting was able to be inspiring and entertaining. Well, you're going to hear from Shazier, same exact fucking thing on Thursday. They, these people weren't, by the way, they're not entertainers. These people aren't supposed right. to go in front of thousands of people and talk like they did. I'm so thankful to them. I owe them forever. And for the people that asked questions and got us to open up about stuff that we might not always open up about, I'm very thankful. Ladies and gentlemen, a little Q&A with the beautiful people of Columbus. If we come to a city, please come fucks with us. We have a good time and we try to we try to make it the greatest night of your life, honestly. That is our only goal, our only mission. Uh, and then we hop in vans that we almost couldn't get because Zito crashed fucking our <laughs> And then we keep it moving. This Q&A in Columbus, Ohio is brought to you by the Dollar Shave Club. You know those times when every day feels the same? Like you're on autopilot, wasting away? How you're so caught up in your routine that you forget to take care of you? Well, Dollar Shave Club makes it easy to take care of yourself when that happens. Their quality products help me look, feel, and smell my absolute best. I get everything I need from the Dollar Shave Club without going to a store. Dollar Shave Club is with me in every single green room. Yep. They literally made me look, feel, and smell my best whenever you're living in an RV bouncing around hotel room to hotel room. I truly found a deep appreciation for what Dollar Shave Club does and provides just these past couple of days, even more so than whenever they just send me a brand new tube of toothpaste without <laughs> me having to go <laughs> to the That's store. The best. 
Dollar Shave Club looks out for you. They honestly do. And just as amazing as their shave stuff is, Dollar Shave Club is way more than just razors. They have everything that I use. Body wash, shampoo, toothpaste, you name it. If it's in the bathroom, Dollar Shave Club's got you in a very convenient fashion. They'll just ship it right to your house. Right now, you can get a Dollar Shave Club starter set for just $5. It comes with everything you need for a great shave. The executive razor, the shave butter, and the face cleanser. You're going to love it as much as we do. Get your starter set for just $5 at dollarshaveclub.com slash America. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash America. Q&A from the beautiful people of Columbus, Ohio, America. O-H. I, uh, that guy got kicked out before the Q&A. <laughs> <laughs> Which is good. Yeah. <laughs> it was a funny scene uh, before we get to this Q&A. There was a very intoxicated guy at every show, but in the Columbus, Ohio <laughs> one, there was this very, very intoxicated guy who early was doing OHIOs, OHIO, OHIO. And it got to the point where the audience started policing themselves in all the places, Which right? Was great. But with the OHIO guy, it was like they hated that guy, but they, as the cult, they had to say, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like this guy, like the 40th time, he was like, oh, yeah. and everybody was like, oh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> that was a lot of fun. <laughs> Q&A. The way we've been wrapping this up, because podcasts and internet relationships between listeners and humans is a much different one. It's much more intimate. It's as if we're hanging out with you whenever you guys are listening to us. We're either at your jobs or in your house or when you're fornicating with your ladies, which is... It's a real thing. They, really they, awesome. We've been yeah. up. We get videos of people listening to us while doing sex, and that's a very... <laughs> Congrats, by the way. Can, yeah. We have thought about introducing a segment for when listeners would like to fuck, but <laughs> we haven't figured out the best part yet. No. It was like... almost me and Todd just singing and humming into the microphone. <laughs> the old Howard Stern bit. But whenever we were looking around about how these live podcasts normally go, normally you come out, chit-chat, record a podcast, have a guest, and then they said that the part that is really going to hit home is the Q&A part of the show. Because people have questions that we might not think of living in our own bubble. So we would like to do a Q&A. Uh, we'll bring up the house lights here. Oh, you motherfuckers look good, by the way. Where's that asshole at? He's gone. He left. He left? Good. Oh, H! <laughs> hey, we did good getting that guy out of here. Huh? But a guy who is going to make the rounds here with a microphone was one of our most loyal listeners. He paints ships in Canada. We can't get him to become a citizen because honestly, it's very difficult, not just from the southern border, we learned. Ladies and gentlemen, Gumpy. boy. boy, Gumpy. You see the Canada flag guy here. You see the Canada guy here. Hey, hit records on my demo. Hey, um, did y'all boys not get the memo? Gump, 
You'll go out there with the microphone. You raise your hand, Gumpy will find you. Also, right back there, leaning handsomely, the thin, the bearded, the man who's been with me literally since day one of this whole thing, Mr. Evan Fox. Foxy! All right, Gumpy, do your thing, buddy. Um, Gumpy, by the way, the only guy wearing a Canada shirt in this building is right here in the front row. And when Maurice Claret was literally delivering a sermon of beauty, like it was one of the most inspirational, motivational things I've ever heard come out of anybody's mouth. We're talking about all the big time speakers on the internet. The Canadian guy just fucking threw his beer on the ground, <laughs> right, right in the middle of the thing. He's, oh, it was your hey, spitter, I'm he's, sorry. He's coming out for it. Dumped, are you coming out here for the Q&A? I got my prison football basketball team. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys have jerseys? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I sent it to you on Twitter. Uh, I will tweet is, that did, immediately after. That's, awesome. That's incredible. They have actual uniforms, <laughs> not prison. Hey, that's awesome, Maurice. I care. Thank you for coming back out here, by the way, for the Q&A. You did not have to do this at all. No. Uh, so if you have a question for me or for anybody, please do it. I think Gumpy, uh, are you with somebody right now? Hold on, you gotta turn on the microphone. Hello. It's on. Here we go. First question of the night, make it count. What's your name, where are you from? Uh, my name's Colton Egner. I'm from Bluefield, West Virginia. Let's go Mountaineers! Let's go Mountaineers! Hey, down there, West Virginia, down there, boy, That's it. Yeah. Uh, my question's for Zito. Um, what is your personal favorite Zito? Great question. Um, it has to be Cigar Zito right now. He, has, he gets a cool jacket right now. I have to pick Cigar Z for sure. He's my favorite as well, by the way. <laughs> Heels eats the worst because he gets his big ego and he stumbles all over his words and he doesn't sleep. Cigars eat his guy that somebody really cares about. Foxy, where are you at? I'm in the back, right in the middle. All right, who you got? I got, uh, what's your name? Where are you from? Justin, let's go. From Athens, name? Ohio. Uh, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Justin, it's not your fault. Foxy literally said, what's your name, where are you from, Justin, let's go. My brain was scrambled, let me tell you why. Why? Okay, you know OH guy yeah. that ruined the entire show? Yeah. I feel like a snitch right now, and I feel so bad for the venue, and I'm telling all of you guys as a warning, there's a big pile of puke back here. There's a big pile of puke. We need to get him to the end zone. Hey, I'll be a snitch, too. It was this guy that's passed the fuck out right here. <laughs> Don't worry about that. Wait, look, he is. That dude's passed out. <laughs> He's a pub member. He's a pub member. Oh, what a surprise. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Hey, make sure you're... I got to pee. <laughs> Let's go, pub. <laughs> Let's go. Man, I was so excited right there. God damn it. Hey, Maurice, you think you guys would have let me on your basketball team with that fucking agility? <laughs> Sorry about that. We got you. All right. All right, so my question's for Gorman. Uh, you're somebody that's worked, worked for PMI for a few months now, but you've done everything 
from any end of the spectrum, what would be your, what's your favorite job of all time other than this one, obviously? Good oh. idea. Uh, I enjoyed my time with the Colts. So that's a lot of fun. But I think I did, and they're bad. I, I mean, I did nine movies. I mean, they're awful. I mean, I mean, no, 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 no. I mean, like my big break was a three-picture deal with the Sci-Fi Network, you know? And, and I shot him in Bulgaria, you know? I mean, it was like in Romania, in Czechoslovakia, you know, on a, on a shoestring budget. But I think that was my, the funnest because uh, the, the guy I was working with just said, hey, if you want to tweak this, tweak that, go ahead. And they, it, it was great being an actor because all I had to do was show up and everybody, you know, they treated you, you know, like a... Go yeah. on. Great answer. Yeah. I, like the way, I like the way that, but it wasn't fulfilling enough because it was long and I like instant gratification and, you know, I mean, so that He was just it. gets buried on a daily basis with us, though, is what he's trying to say. When he was an actor for these terrible movies, he had a fluffer, the whole thing, and then when he shows up at our office, it's just he gets buried on like a daily basis. Is that not right? Yeah, that was fun, but, but I'm just saying is this, uh, you know, I'm, I'm 50 years old, so I said at, at 20 and... and you know, I want to do as much stuff as I can. I want to go out and, and try different things, you know, and, and I've got an opportunity to do that. And, um, you know, I'm a gypsy. I, 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 who knows what, what's down the pipe? Ah, <laughs> oh, look at you learning. Look at him learning. No, but no, that was fun. I, I got to travel, so I would say, yeah, being be in, you know, I, I, I shouldn't say this, but an actor. But, yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. And uh, then it became boring. <laughs> Gumpy, who you got? What's your name? Where are you from? Travis from Cleveland, Ohio. Okay, all right. Let's go Brownies Diner. All right, so... We got Odell Beckham Jr. <laughs> so the first thing I want to say is my first Buckeye memory was Maurice Claret. I was eight years old, 2002 National Championship, when you stripped the ball back after the interception. So yeah! That was one of my favorite memories, so... Hell yeah. I appreciate that. So well, my question's for Pat. Okay, so... Played football up the road at a D2 school at Ashland, and I was the whole, I was quarterback and I was the holder also. Just curious why he's not on the For the Brand anywhere on here. I held a lot of balls, you did too. Just wondering where, where the love was for that. Held a couple game winners, so. Oh my God, that is 100% true. If you look closely <laughs> on the O there, there's a holder right there. We just, it's the same color as the shirt. We wanted to blend it in. Because the job of the holder, as you know, is to just not get noticed. Like for me, for instance, the first time I got to play in the NFL, first game, I'll never forget it. I had never punted really in a game before in the NFL style. People are like, what are you nervous for? What are you nervous for? Is it for punting? I'm like, no, no, no. I'm nervous as fuck to hold Adam Vinatieri's balls tomorrow because if Adam misses, everybody on earth knows it's not Adam Vinatieri's fault. That is 100% my fault. And I was 22 years old at the time with long hair, a little bit of a sketchy record at West Virginia getting drunk and missing game winners. Everybody would know that it was my fault. So I have a lot of respect for you being a holder, and it will be something that we'll work on for the brand. Appreciate you, man. Who you got, Foxy? What's your name? Where are you from, sir? Uh, my name's Jordan. I'm from Toledo, Ohio. Uh, my question's for Pat. What's the worst advice you've ever gotten? <laughs> Good question. Normally, it's, it, it's two words, and it's almost everywhere I go. 
chug it. Is <laughs> <laughs> normally, I mean, all of my troubles, if you date back to my entire life, all start and end with those two words. From random people, whether it's professional athletes like Peyton Manning, whenever I'm at a Texas roadhouse in Anderson, Indiana, where our training camp is, and some local guy who definitely has no job is lining up against me at a table, and Peyton walks over and goes, this guy says he's the best chugger in Anderson. What I need you to do is bury this fucking guy. <laughs> I'm like, Peyton, we got practice tomorrow. We're in the middle of training camp. He goes, Chug it. <laughs> you got it, bub. Or the hundred shots of tequila that I ordered on that particular Tuesday that ended up in an alleged event. And it cost me only $40,000 cash from Bill Polian. But those NFL fines, yeah. you're goddamn right. I've been donating a long time. <laughs> Are they a write-off for you? No, the NFL gets to write them off. We don't, all because of fucking Gorman and Ursay. <laughs> yes. Who's next? Right here. What's your name? Where are you from? Holy shit. You're, not, you're here with... Are you a fan? Yes. Okay. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Hold on real quick. We had a black guy ask a question. Huge. Huge. Now we have an older lady. This is awesome. Thank what? you. What do you mean, older? You're Yikes. older than wow. 20. Yikes. You are older. <laughs> <laughs> Lady, you're not a day over 39, but you knew what I meant. Uh, I can't thank you enough for coming and being a fan of ours. You're the best. What's your question? My name is Teresa, you're and I'm from Austin, Indiana. Right. I didn't know if you were aware of it or not, but there's also a celebrity in your audience. Oh, say what? My son is the creator of your Friday bangers. Uncle oh. Sam! Oh. Yes! Yeah. Uncle Sam! It's the end of the week. <laughs> you already know, you know what, what that, that means? means. Hey, Uncle Sam, I, I fucking love you, man. Two Ks. Uncle Sam, you brought your mom here. This is awesome. Who introduced who to the show? Teresa, you introduced Uncle Sam to the show? And then... That's a whole fucking family affair. Nice. Well, well, Cheers Mom. to the Uncle Sam family. We're so thankful for you. And I know, I know, Mom, you won't be back at any other shows, but it was fun you being here today. My, um, my mom isn't even a fan, so I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate that. Zito's mom is my biggest. Oh, fan. oh come on! <laughs> Thank you, Gumpy. Who you got? What's your name? Where are you from? Chris from Tampa, Florida. Uh, Wait, oh, what? Did you come? Flew in Friday for the show today. That's cool. Look at oh, it. Oh man. Thanks for coming in, man. So, uh, Willie Nelson's in town tonight. Yes. Any vitamins? You gonna hit him up? Oh, yeah, I'm gonna text Willie after the show. <laughs> I am, like when Pac-Man showed up last night, the entire theater literally just lit up with uh, Christmas trees, you know? And I, that was one of the hardest decisions I've ever had to make in my life. 
when Pac walked up to me, he was like, what up, man? I still got some of that baseball left you want to, or baseball bat left you want to go to it? I'm like, I'm trying my best to get the vitamins out of me right now. He was like, some good shit? And I was like, all right, let's go do it, Pac. <laughs> Could you imagine smoking with Pac-Man Jones on a Saturday and then Willie Nelson on a Sunday? <laughs> what a fucking week. No offense, Maurice. I mean, just... <laughs> Got like, this is like that guilty conscience is that Eminem and Dr. Dre right now. <laughs> Fuck that shit. Smoke that bitch. But, uh, but uh, if you have a connect for Willie Nelson, I would love that. <laughs> Foxy, where you at? All the way in the top deck, Pat. Okay. Right. Hey, okay, up there with the yes, people. What's your name? Uh, where are you from? Uh, I'm Taylor Johnson. I'm from Chillicothe, Ohio. Okay, Chillicothe. Uh, my question is for Maurice. Here we go. As a fellow Bronco fan, I want to know who, um, while you were going through your troubles with the Broncos uh, during training camp, who took you under, did anybody try to take you under their wing and help you along? Yeah, it was, uh, it was just three people, really. Uh, I was, if you all remember, I was number 20 and Jerry Rice was number 19. So we had lockers next to each other. And uh, Jerry would try to talk to me, and also uh, John Lynch. Remember John Lynch? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's GM now. Yeah, for the uh, Niners. Yes, sir. Yeah, so they, they, they definitely tried to help me, but uh, at that time I was just resistant to help. You know what I'm saying? So the, the Broncos did everything that they were supposed to do to try to help me and, and, and put a supportive network, but uh, I was just a young guy being the young guy. Was that McDaniels wasn't there then, right? No, it was Shanahan. So it was Shanahan and um, and Bobby Turner, or Tucker, was the running backs coach. And um, you know, I just had, but like, after two years. So think about this: I lived in L.A. for two years, and so L.A. within itself is L.A. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? And so I went from L.A. You know, coming in the house at six and seven in the morning to football, where you got to wake up at six and seven in the morning. Uh-huh. And so I, just wasn't working. Did, did yeah, it you, sounds like that's a recipe for <laughs> did, did Shanahan have a tanning bed in his office? Serious question. Serious question. Gumpy, where you at? Excuse me. Sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> hey, you just that guy just woke up again, bro. Welcome back. <laughs> hey. He's awake. My name's Ron. I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. <laughs> We had a show there Friday. Ah, well, I live here now, so I'm originally from there. Oh, Sorry. Gotcha. i got a question for you, Pat. Yes, we sir. have a Pat McAfee show 2.0 now, Heartland Radio 2.0. Are we going to get a Groat 2.0? And oh. will the winner attend your wedding? Ooh. Not a bad question. Let's write question. that down. It's not a bad question. That sounds like a great idea, actually. Yeah. <laughs> that, that Groat, that Groat thing... I wish people would have been there for the conception of that. What happens whenever we work? And that's such an interesting way to describe it. We, everybody has seen our office. There's a basketball court in there. There's studios in there. And we all just kind of walk in. And it, I wouldn't say I'm a hard person to work for, but it has to be tiring. Because I'll walk in one day and just be like, you know what? We should write a movie today. And everybody's like... <laughs> Uh, just like right now, like, yeah, I think we're going to write a movie right now. All right. Uh, I'll put away everything I was going to fucking do today to write a movie for you. <laughs> and it's kind of the way everything goes. And when this baseball thing came to be, the Washington Wild things, they were like, uh, would you like, would you like to have a bobblehead night for you? I was like, no, nope. I'd play though. If you let me play, I'd play. They're like, what do you mean? I was like, 
I want to like play. They're like, uh, you can throw out the first pitch. I'm like, no, no. I want to be on the field. <laughs> and they're like, I think we can work a way for you to maybe like get in at bat. I was like, yeah, yeah, but also defense too. <laughs> and they were like, well, I'm not sure that's possible. I was like, well, get back to me if it is. And then like a week later, I get an email that's like, all right, how's this sound? You start at right field, you play seven innings, you get three at bats, you can film the whole thing, you can even be mic'd up for the whole thing. Well, is that something you'd want to do? I'm like, boys, <laughs> boys, come here. <laughs> I think they're going to let me fucking play the entire game. <laughs> and every day, these things that just pop up out of nowhere, they're the most ridiculous thoughts in the history. Like, they seem to just happen at our office, and that was one of them. So we record the entire yeah, game. Yeah, that's a real thing, yeah. That's a real thing, Maurice, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And then the Groat is the greatest raffle of all time. We raffled off everything. everything. So whenever we filmed it, First of all, it was supposed to be a live event on Twitter. So, like, Twitter bought the rights to it. It was supposed to be live on Twitter. Like, Twitter was going to put it up at the top of the app where it's like, watch this guy who has literally never played baseball a day in his life before start at right field for a fucking AAA baseball team <laughs> and stare down a 95-mile-an-hour fastball three times. Like, it was going to be an entire thing. Then that kind of got lost. Then it was supposed to be sponsored by a company. Then a day before that, the sponsorship got pulled out somehow, ended up somewhere else. So then we're like, all right, we'll just film it. We'll just film it all, and we'll see what can happen. So as we're going through the footage, we're all dying laughing during the footage, because I have a fucking earpiece in, and I got Diggs and Todd talking to me during the game, and I'm sitting out in right field. I'm like... Todd played baseball his entire life, so did Ty. I'm like, where the fuck am I supposed to be standing? They're like, move to your right just a little bit. I'm like, all right. And uh, then a ball would get hit. They're like, Pat, that's coming right at you. I'm like, oh, fuck. So then I make a catch. I make a play. We start going through the footage. We're like, I think we can make a little documentary out of this thing. They're like, yeah, let's do that. So then we take one day. We make a documentary out of it. I'm like, now what the fuck are we going to do with it? I'm like, well, sell it, you fucking idiot. I'm like, that's what we'll do. But I didn't think it was good enough to actually sell. So what we decided was, ah, oh, well, anybody that decides to buy this fucking stupid thing, we got to enter them into a raffle. What's the raffle going to be for? So then I sent a text message to all of our sponsors. I was like, here's what I'm thinking. I'm going to sell this thing. If anybody's dumb enough to buy it, is there any way we can get them to potentially win, I don't know, World Series tickets? And Ian from SeatGeek was like, how about Super Bowl tickets, World Series tickets? WrestleMania tickets, and even Stanley Cup tickets. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that sounds good to me. Too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 that sounds good. So then now that that precedent was sent, uh, I, I called all the other sponsors. I was like, listen, how much do you like us? Because SeatGeek's given us four fucking things. Lisa gave away a mattress, and then my bookie who we were working with at the time, no longer. Bad company, by the way. <laughs> Should have done more research. That's on me. They gave away like $10,000. It was like, it just started stacking on top of each other. And we're like, well, what are we going to call this thing? And I was like, well, this was the greatest raffle of all time. And I think Ty was like, groat, bingo. That's what we're fucking doing. I was like, all right, here we go. And then we put it up for sale two days later. It wasn't like there was a lot of planning. Like everything comes together within 72 hours, the way we operate. And uh, it doesn't always come out right, but that groat was one of the things I'm most proud of. And my on-base percentage, 333 for the rest of my life. 333. Huge. Huge. 
Great Q&A. Great to hear from the people. Absolutely loved it. It, Because the Q&A was whenever they turned up the house lights, too, which Mm -hmm. means we could see the audience. So we actually Mm -hmm. got a chance to see everybody that came out and fucked with us. Uh, And this was obviously our last night. We drove home directly afterwards. Almost ran out of gas, like I referred to earlier. Got home. And uh, the one thing that I looked forward to the most that entire trip home. And I think we talked about it on a regular basis was our beds. Oh, yes. Mm. And at about <laughs> two thirty three AM when we got home Monday Man. morning after Columbus, I did one of those like run movie jumps. Oh. <sighs> Right into my Lisa mattress, <laughs> wham! Right in there. Put my head down on the two free pillows that they're oh, sending out, so and good. slept like an absolute baby. Right now at Lisa.com forward slash McAfee, you can get ten percent off your order and two free pillows. And when I say this, I mean this. Lisa mattress, Lisa sleep has completely changed the way people go about the sleeping process. Not only do they just deliver the bed right to your motherfucker door, which they do. Yep. Mm-hmm. Not only do they take away the hassle of potentially having to lay in Zito's sweat at a no. mattress oh, store, no. not only do they deliver you a great bed, they deliver you a bed that has been researched to be comfortable for all sleeping styles. If you like a bed that is just right, Lisa has the mattress that is just for you. Lisa does all the research so you don't have to do shit. You can sleep and shop with confidence because Lisa's got your back. Right now, L-E-E-S-A dot com forward slash McAfee, 10% off plus two free pillows. That bed will arrive at your door in a box. But Ty, I don't want my mattress to arrive in a box. That seems like it's difficult. No, it's not. It uh, actually inflates in about two minutes. Oh, wow. So you're telling me you just dragged that box, which is surprisingly not as heavy as you Mm, would think. Correct. Easy to manage. Easy to manage. Right into your bedroom. You take the box off. Mm -hmm. You cut the plastic bag off and... Boom. Inflates on its own. Best bed you've ever had in your entire life. Bar none. Bar none. Get 10% off right now and two free pillows. L-E-E-S-A dot com forward slash McAfee. Let's get back to this Q&A and have a good time. All right, we'll take two more questions here. Foxy, where you at? I'm with a guy that has a McAfee 2020 tank top on. I didn't even know we sold these things. Uh, what's your name? Where are you from? Hey, my name is Lucas Barrett. And about a month ago, I tweeted a video of myself eating a goddamn fortune cookie. And the one and only retweeted me. And the fortune cookie said, an influencer will support me. And goddamn it, I'm here talking in front of goddamn Pat McAfee. <laughs> I am not supporting you. (laughs) Was there a question? But my my question is for Todd, all right? Uh, I am a, I'm the Marine Corps recruiter out of Newark. So my question for you, Todd, is what is the funniest memory? (laughs) 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 Todd, what is the funniest memory that you have from the Corps, my man? Funniest memory I have from the Marine Corps? Uh, probably, all right, so uh, during the Gulf War, like, um... <laughs> the, the first Gulf War, like, not the first one, there were a lot before that one if you read the Bible, but, like... <laughs> like the first one we were in, um... Yeah, they sent me to Norway, like, um... I guess in case Saddam Hussein decided to pull like a sneak attack 
from real far north to come forward. So we were there in Norway, and uh, basically it was like 60 below zero with gale force winds every night, right? And we were, uh, the whole thing was to play war games for two months. And uh, I guess in case something ever happened, I guess Russia's real close to there, whatever. So Russia could see we could get a bunch of people together real fast and carry rifles around, right? Cold, it's, by the way, so cold, 60 below zero, they didn't give us real bullets. If they had, I would have declared war myself, like me against Norway. <laughs> that fucking cold. So there was... I just wanted to kill everybody. I'm like, I can't... I am freezing right now, and it won't stop. So... Hey, uh, Norway, by the way, we're at war now. Yeah. <laughs> and I probably could have won. I mean, to be honest, it's Norway, but... They did not deserve that. Norway did not deserve it. So my job was strictly to, to do guard duty, right? Stand outside, and then when people would come in to the, to the access the air, for, the, the air part of the base, um, they would give us a challenge password situation. If they pass, they go through, right? So I'm sitting there freezing, and it was just us and a Norwegian guard. And they always wanted to have these conversations with us. They had so many questions. Well, one guy, he thought he knew it all. He was real Americanized. His name was Christian. And he, he came up bragging in front of all his, all his buddies. He's like, yeah, yeah, well, one don't more American cuss words than you do. And I was like, oh, yeah? <laughs> He's like, yeah, don't mean any, any, any cuss word. I know what it is. I know what it means. And I was like, all right, I'll bet you dinner tonight. And he's like, okay. So I said, clusterfuck. <laughs> and he was like, what means clusterfuck? <laughs> so I, I'm like, you got to figure that out. As soon as you do, I'll buy you that dinner. So he's trying to figure it out the whole time we're there. Every time we pass Christian, we march into the Chalhar or whatever. He's like, McComas, clusterfuck yourself. <laughs> I'm like, that ain't it, bro. Yeah. That's my fondest memory of the Marine Corps. <laughs> We won twice. We won again. again. There you go. I'll tell you what. I, I, was, I was never a Marine. Uh-huh. But it felt like I was potential. Oh, yeah. You got a good one. <laughs> yeah, I felt good there. Uh, all right. Last one. Let's make it great. Last question of the night. Let's go. Hey, by the way, if it sucks, we'll go for another one. <laughs> <laughs> all right. My name's uh, Ivan Canfield. Oh, from- Ivan. Oh. I love this man. Uh, Ivan, listen. I'm a, before you even get going, Ivan. I... My entire post-NFL career has been built off of Twitter. I think we can all agree with that, right? Everything I've ever done has been built off of Twitter. 140 characters back in my day. I had to really cut down <laughs> words. I had to your, you, are. I had to do it all. I've battled through those days. Uphills, both ways for all of Twitter. <laughs> Zero help from ESPN or any of these people. They hated me because I used words like F-U-K because I didn't have enough <laughs> characters. <laughs> so I had to build my Twitter. And I, I had a, a great army that was getting behind me. And I was very thankful for everybody that followed me. And as we continued to grow like a snowball rolling down hills, people had no idea what was going to happen. Each weekend, I would give away tickets to Colts games, and it would trend number one globally every single fucking weekend, every single time. It was before Twitter changed their algorithm. So all I would say is, like, what's my mom's favorite food? And it would be an ungoogleable question, and I would ask, like, must use hashtag Sally likes that shit. And then... (laughs) 
within seven <laughs> minutes, like within seven minutes on a random Saturday night, hashtag Sally likes that shit would be trending worldwide. <laughs> I would have like Japanese answers, Chinese answers. People would be tweeting me in Portuguese. It was insane. It was awesome. And there was this one particular week when Griff Whalen snapped a football to Cole Anderson against the New England Patriots. Yeah. Take it easy. <laughs> so he was the worst center in history, right? Griff Whalen, worst center in NFL history. It'll go down as one of the worst football plays ever. And I just so happened to have my name plastered right at the bottom of the screen, like Pat McAfee into punt. It's like, well, this wasn't a punt. Can we please rip my name off of that fucking graphic? But it happens, right? And there was a miscommunication between coaches and players, and Griff Whalen was taking the blame for all of it. Like, everybody on earth was laughing at Griff Whalen. And it wasn't Griff Whalen's fault. It was just a classic miscommunication. So I went on a show called Bob and Tom, which I absolutely loved those people. They gave me the start. And I told the whole story about how it was a miscommunication, and it could have been a coach's fault and not Griff's fault. So the next morning, Mike Golick on his radio show has this entire bout about how I'm a punter and I shouldn't talk. He's a punter. Nobody should be listening to what this guy's saying. Nobody cares. So that Saturday, I was going to give away tickets like I always do. And the hashtag was already ready to go. It was going to be RIP Mike Golick. <laughs> So I was going to actually murder Mike Golick <laughs> on Twitter, okay? He was going to have to come out and say, like, I'm not dead. There's going to be people that are going to be like, man, I'll miss Mike Golick forever. Like, because as soon as that thing trends, everybody looks at it. You don't do any research. You're just like, oh, my God, he's fucking dead. Let me... <laughs> there would have been a billion tweets like, oh, I remember when Mike Golick screwed me over, blah, 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 but he's a good guy. And he would have had to come out strictly because of some punter that shouldn't talk. And I was gonna get a real good feeling about that. I was, like, I was gonna sleep soundly that night. I was excited about it. Colts PR found out about it because Vinatieri was also very excited about it. <laughs> Vinatieri was telling everybody, he was like, bro, what McAfee's about to do tonight is the most legendary thing on the internet <laughs> in history. It's in history. So the Colts PR like, was like kind of nosing around. And they come up to me, they're like, uh, are you gonna kill Mike Golick on the internet? <laughs> <laughs> I think so, man. <laughs> and normally I'd give away two tickets. I was going to give away 10 tickets so like more people would answer. You know, I was going to get that thing trending in like a minute and a half. I was going to get that fucker going. I wanted people in China to rest in peace Mike Golick. I wanted that thing to go. And it, it never happened because it got stumped out by the PR. They were like crying to me basically. Like, I'll lose my job if you do that. I have kids. I was like, well, fuck. I mean, come on. Let's have a little fun here. But... What I'm saying is my Twitter is so incredible, the people that choose to follow me. I'll put a tweet out that is a terrible tweet. It's a terrible tweet. And it'll get 100 retweets. It'll get, it'll get like 1,000 likes, which don't mean anything. And I promise you, the first person that will retweet every single tweet that I put out and the first person that likes every single tweet that I put out is Ivan Canfield, <laughs> that fucking guy right there. Yes, sir. I don't know what you do for a living. I have no idea how you do it, but I'll put, kid, I'll put a tweet out, and before I can even refresh the fucking thing, it's like one retweet, one like, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, I wonder who this is. It's like Ivan Canfield, and for like the first month, I was like, 
This, this guy's kind of freaking me out a little bit. <laughs> but you've stuck with it for so long. I fucking love you, man. I uh, you're, you're like my little tag team partner out there. I appreciate that. Now, granted, if you see any naked people in pictures that I tweet, please do not retweet it. <laughs> you get it? Yeah, yeah, I got you. <laughs> Probably your fault, by the way, that that whole fucking... <laughs> I was like 14 then, so... <laughs> <laughs> Ivan, I appreciate you, though, man. Nice I to meet you in person. You. What's up? So my question's for the whole panel. Um, okay. I also have a McFeed 2020 tank top on underneath this. And, uh, Good plug. Thanks. And uh, would any of you seriously consider running for a position of power at all? <laughs> I, I would love to see Zito in a uh, position of power. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, do. I really do. Burn it down. <laughs> Zito, you think you'd be a good governor? No. <laughs> you got to read all the bills. Oh. <laughs> I would crush his governor. I would sign every single one of them without reading them. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted, at one point in my life, to potentially run for president, okay? Then I watched that House of Cards show. <laughs> and I was like, there's no way I'd ever want to fucking get in there. Some guy that I did cocaine with once in college would be like, hey, you remember when you fucking snorted it? <laughs> You're going to vote against this, aren't you? I'm like, no. Uh, well, I got photos of you doing terrible things. I'm like, well, you're right. I don't think it's a good time to be a politician, to be honest. I don't know why anybody would want to do it. It, it. Now, granted, the sanctity of the world and shit like that, but after listening to tonight's show, I would vote for Maurice Claret tomorrow to run. Yes. <laughs> Is that a no for you, Dub? <laughs> it's, it's an emphatical no. <laughs> Todd, how about you, man? You're a military guy. You're, you are of age to run for president, which I am not yet. <laughs> Hilarious. I, I, would, I could never die. There, there's shit I'm lucky, like, I guess, that people don't know about. And uh, so I, I, I don't want to get like, any more famous than you've already made me because that shit will come out. You know, right now, people don't give a fuck enough of Mueller. It's like, ah, oh, I'm not going to say nothing yet. He doesn't have enough of, enough of a presence. It when you become president, everybody wants to give you shit. It is scary, though, because we're at a time now where people would just make shit up, and then it goes, and it's gone. And then once it's gone, you can't really resurrect it, right? I had a chance to be teammates with a guy named Josh McNary when I was at the Indianapolis Colts. He was in the Army, served in the Army. Uh, he went to the, uh, what school does the Army people go to? Uh, West Point. There it is. He went to West Point. <laughs> two years, and then he came and joined the Colts, and he was a special teamer. He was like my guy, right? He got accused, falsely accused of something, and he got cut from the Colts. He was headline news the entire thing, went to court, got his name cleared, but you never heard about it again, right? So was, everything was gone. But you'll never hear that he was innocent. Like, if you search his name now even, it's the only thing that pops up was these accusations for him that were completely lies, right? Just to try to get money out of him. I just don't think now is a good time to get into a position of politics or power. And to be honest, every morning I wake up scared shitless that Zito pissed somebody off 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to have to fucking answer for it. Uh, uh, every morning I wake up, I'm like, all right, Jose Perez, let's search this fucking thing. But it is, it is a scary thing. I'm pretty happy where we're at. But Ty Schmidt, potential great president. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. 
I, Supreme Court justice, maybe. I'd love to. I'd love to rule with an iron fist. That would be. That, that's what I'm looking at. I'd probably be a shitty president. I'm kind of a fucking prick. But at, at Supreme Court, I could. I could fuck with that. I don't think you just can fall into the Supreme Court, though. Right? Well, I'm very well read, so you know, I'm halfway there. Do you think you could? Do you could have taken down James Holes higher in Jeopardy if you had to? Ugh. Give me like a week and a half on the buzzer to, to get Trebek's mannerisms, and I think I'd have a shot, yeah. Ty, you're one of the smartest people I've ever been around, and I would love to see you president. We would be going to war tomorrow with him. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah. that guy. What do you say? Yeah, yeah Steph, Steph Curry's getting a drone strike first. first. <laughs> <laughs> Steph Curry's getting a drone strike. Steph Curry's the first one on his list, like the happy guy. <laughs> yeah. All right, we'll do one more, because that was a kind of a serious one. I got one here in the middle, Pat. Yep. What's your name? Where are you from? My name's Kenzie, and I'm from Fort Wayne, Indiana. Um, back in October, a person named Diggs came into my restaurant, uh, Auburn Buffalo Wild Wings. Uh-oh! This is what we were just talking about. And, you know, normally on a day-to-day -day basis, I'm kind of a huge asshole. And I decided to take my shot, you know, shoot my shot like any other person would and try to be a nice person. And I went out to his table and I said, hey man, your meal's on me. And I have never seen somebody look at me so accusatorily as poisoning their fucking food. <laughs> oh wait. And you ruined my one shot to be a nice person. Oh what, you poisoned my I don't believe in nice people. Exactly. Nobody gets anything was for this free. In, no um, handouts. Was this but I this... tried to turn my life around just like Maurice is talking about, right? <laughs> <laughs> and you ruined it. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. There's two sides to every story. Was this in that uh, town up in northern Indiana-ish? Auburn? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there for a wedding. I was black the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and, so we're, after the wedding, we go to a B-dubs. Correct? Right. Exactly. Um, Look at you, dicks. Yeah, yeah. Hey. And this hey. is. This Hold is, on. This I invited is... you back. Yeah, yeah. Out we had a great time. Out of the kindness of my heart. It was my second time at B Dubs that day. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. I'm trying to turn my life around and not be an asshole anymore, and you ruined it. No, no, no. And that's not I'm what just, happened. It's not I'm what happened. Just perpetually In my eyes, that's not what happened. A pessimistic asshole. Kenzie, you don't turn your life around life. by going out with dicks. Nice. True. True. So we went to a wedding, <laughs> got super drunk, went back to Buffalo Wings. You remember like two of every 10 minutes. Um, and then there was a lot of confusion because you came up and you were like, uh, the bill's paid for. And I was like, I don't, the, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> and I didn't understand. I thought maybe I had, I had already paid the bill or maybe like, cause my girlfriend was thrown up in the bathroom. Like maybe you were just trying to get us out of there. <laughs> I, I was drunk. <laughs> Kenzie, you're a good person. You shouldn't feel bad at all. Yeah, I think you are a good person. You're a good person, Kenzie. But, but if I remember correctly, when we got the free bill, I did tip okay, right? Hmm. No! Oh! Oh! Ladies and gentlemen, that's the show. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> What if that was what we ended with? Her saying, no, you <laughs> like shit. I think she's a liar, to be honest. No, <laughs> no, 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 I'm kidding. All right. Um, hey, Foxy, down here in the front row has been, or, or Gumpy, whoever's closest, very excited here. Who was that, Gumpy? 
Who asked? Who let her ask that question? Which one? Uh, he was uh, rude, wasn't he? Yeah, he was oh. rude. Very, yeah, he was not sorry either. Huh? <laughs> sorry. Pat, big West Virginia fan, went to West Virginia University. Let's go. All right. Biggest question of the night. All right. Maurice, I love you to death. Watching of like multitude of pro, uh, the bowl games. But Matt, Pat, game. where is the after party at? Tonight? Yes. That's the biggest question. Is there, I don't think there's anything open in this city. Uh, where? 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 Who? Who? Everywhere. That's a lie. Sunday night? It's Sunday night. One eight. We got to go somewhere. We're going to Willie Nelson Is right after this. So. Are you? Okay, so Brothers on Park Street, after I go Brothers take a Park shit, Street. we'll stop by there. And then we got to get back to Indianapolis at some point, so Gumpy will stay sober. No. No way. Oh, yeah, he is, actually. He's driving the RV. I will not be in the RV, though. I'm going to be in the van. All right, ladies and gentlemen, tonight has been an absolute blast. I can't thank Maurice Claret for hanging out for this long. You didn't have to at all. You all coming and supporting us is the coolest thing ever. A lot of people ask me why I retired. Honestly, it's so I can do cool shit with cool people, and that's what we've done tonight with you beautiful people here in Columbus. We can't thank you enough for spending your Sunday night with us. We absolutely love you. We're so, so thankful. Cheers. We'll see you later tonight at Brothers. Have a fucking good one. Shout out to everybody that came out. We can't thank you enough. Thursday show from Pittsburgh and Cincinnati with Pac-Man and Shazier is going to be one that you're going to want to hear. Hashtag Endgame, hashtag Endgame. Send us a game that we should play in the cars the next <laughs> yes. time. <laughs> Send us uh, something we should do the next time we're in the car. And if it makes us all go, yup, should have done that, we will send you some free merch from our brand new merch line, by the way, Ooh. that Phil Main, CFO Phil, has been working on very hard. I just got a sample of everything we're selling. I didn't oh, even really? know that most of them existed. I love it. I cannot wait to put them all on. New sleeveless hoodies are in. Oh, new tank tops are in. Oh, scallop bottoms, by the oh, way, nice. so they're not just box cut. I mean, we're really doing it right over there at store.patmcafeeshow.com. Shout out to CFO Phil. Send us ideas for things to do in the cars because we've been driving a lot together, and hopefully we'll be doing much more of that. From at Todd McComas, at Diggs with a Z, at Nick Morado, at Hey Gorman, at Viva Lazito, at Bubba Gumpino, at Evan Foxy, and at Ty Schmidt. And everybody else here in our office, we can't thank you enough. This weekend was so humbling, so honorable, and it was just, it was awesome. I can't thank you enough. We're a very dumb group of people that get taken care of way too well by you beautiful people, um, and you're the absolute best. Ty Schmidt, hit the music. Try to be best, cause you're only a man, and a man's got to learn to take it. Try to believe, though the going gets rough, that you gotta hang tough to make it.
Are you there? 